So our passage this morning, as we're continuing to make our way through the Gospel of John, is uh, from John chapter 15. And I'm going to read the first 17 verses of John 15, though I'll really be focusing on the first half of the passage. But let's hear the word of the Lord together this morning. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Uh, So this is some of the most familiar imagery in John's gospel. Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, It's by abiding in him that we bear much fruit. And this is the last of seven uh, I am statements or metaphors in the gospel of John. You might think, what could there be left to say after I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. Uh, But when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is describing perhaps the deepest reality of the Christian faith. Uh, He's talking about the intimate union between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, that he is the source of all spiritual life, and that we must be connected to him. And so the Christian life 
is life in the vine. And there's three things that I want to talk about this morning regarding that life. And there's so many things in this passage that we we can't get to this morning, but I want to look at these three things, and that is connecting, pruning, and abiding. And we're just going to walk through those together. So we'll start with connecting. So uh, Jesus is the vine, and that is not just a common horticultural image. It's actually an important scriptural image to describe the relationship between God and Israel. So Israel in scripture is uh, often referred to as a vine, uh, a luxuriant vine, a, a choice vine, a vine that has been brought out of Egypt. In Isaiah chapter five, the story of Israel is told as God planting a vineyard and coming at harvest time to look for fruit. And of course, the judgment of scripture is that people fail to be the fruitful vineyard that God wants them to be. And so Jesus says, I am the true vine. And, and remember that in John's gospel, true is not the opposite of false. True means reliable, trustworthy, uh, and unfailing. So uh, a true vine uh, is like a true friend, uh, a reliable Friend. And so what Jesus is doing when he describes himself this way uh, as the true vine, again, which is a common reference in scripture uh, for, for Israel, Jesus is placing himself at the center of Israel's history. Uh, he, he's not replacing Israel, he's identifying himself with Israel. And he's saying, as you attach to me, as you connect to me, you can be assured that you will bear the fruit that God is looking for, that you will bear the fruit uh, that God created you to bear. Uh, and so the vine, of course, is the source of life and power and fruitfulness for the rest of the plant. Uh, and we need to know that Jesus is the true vine, the reliable vine, the unfailing vine, uh, because we spend a lot of time connecting and attaching ourselves to other vines, right? We all try to draw life and power from things that are not vines, from things that are not Christ's. Uh, the church and pastors are ordained by God, but they are not the true vine. Uh, your spouse and your family are gifts from God, but they are not the true vine. Your vocation and your hobbies glorify God, but they are not the true vine. And when we attach ourselves to other things uh, and we expect them to be for us the source of life and power and fruitfulness, when we expect them to be the vine, when we expect them to be the Christ and give us life, we set up both ourselves and those things for failure because they are not true. They are not reliable. They are not unfailing like Jesus. He is the true vine which helps us understand who we are. Uh, we are the branches. And of course, the thing about a branch 
is that it only has life as it connects to the vine. Uh, So the vine is the source of life. The branches are dependent on the vine to deliver its flow of nutrients and to supply the branch with life and strength so that it can be fruitful. Uh, So you hear Jesus say things, uh, for example, in verse four, uh, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So you cannot tell a branch to bear fruit. Uh, You cannot encourage it to bear fruit and you can't threaten it to bear fruit. Uh, What you can do is you can connect it to the vine. Uh, And that is why all preaching, it is why all ministry and all mission is about connecting people to Jesus as the source of real life and power and fruitfulness. And uh, that a branch must be connected to the vine might sound obvious, but I think we all know the tendency to try to live the Christian life on our own strength, to try to live the Christian life by our own resources, to try to live the Christian life without being connected to the vine. Uh, And so just listen to Jesus again in verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and just, just say that with me for a minute. You're on mute. It's okay. Just say, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Uh, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. We were created to be dependent. Uh, we were created to be attached We were created to derive power and love from someone else, from someone greater. Uh, And and this just bumps up against uh, that American culture that maybe makes us not like this message because as Americans, we are enculturated to prize independence. We are enculturated to, uh, to prize individualism uh, and, and to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Uh, And part of being a Christian means I am living the most like God intends when I am the most dependent on Jesus, when I am the most dependent on the strength that he gives rather than my own. And so life in the vine uh, is a life of connecting. Uh, It's a life of loving dependence. We are connecting to Jesus. Uh, So that's the first thing I just want to talk about, connecting. Uh, The second thing is pruning. So there's a contrast in our passage between two kinds of branches. Uh, You can see it in verse two, uh, and it it appears uh, again uh, later uh, in really in verses uh, six uh, and, and seven, But uh, you can see it in verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Uh, So Jesus describes some branches uh, that 
are not bearing fruit. And he says, those branches are cut off. Uh, and he says, there are other branches that are bearing fruit. Uh, and those branches are cut back. Uh, and of course, to be cut off, and then in verse six, to be thrown into the fire, uh, is this ominous warning of judgment for unfruitful branches. And we don't have a lot of time for this, but John's gospel witnesses uh, to the fact that there are unfruitful branches. Uh, it, it talks about people like Judas. It talks about the many disciples who John 6 says turned back and walked with him no longer. Uh, but what about the fruitful branches? Uh, so, right, that's what we all want to be. We all want to be fruitful branches. And Jesus says with regard to the fruitful branches, um, he says something really counterintuitive. He says, the vine dresser prunes them. Uh, so they're not cut off, but they are cut back. There is a severing, but the severing is not punishment. It's actually a prerequisite for releasing more fruit. Uh, so God is relentless in his own passion to see us bear more fruit. Uh, and uh, to do that, he prunes us. And I think we all know this intellectually. I think we all know it theologically. Uh, we, we assent to the idea that as the vine dresser, God may prune us. And uh, we even maybe have a little dialogue or bargaining session with God where we say, you know, God, uh, you know, here's a good place for you to take an inch. Uh, and, and you could take a half an inch uh, over here. You could, you could cut back this bit a little bit, and, and we would be all right with that. But then uh, God cuts off way more than we are comfortable with, uh, and it feels like punishment, and it feels like judgment. Uh, and here's the key. Uh, you can't really see pruning in the midst of it. You have to wait until it's over. And then we look back and we discover the hands that were hurting us were actually the hands that loved us and were shaping us and were preparing us to bear more fruit. Uh, Eric gave me, I, I think, a helpful analogy as we were talking about it this week. Uh, and he, he says, you know, the analogy is kind of just surgery. Uh, there's cutting and there's wounding, but the goal is that at the end, you are healthier than before. Uh, so at least in my experience of visiting people in the hospital, I, I haven't had one of these yet, uh, but I have never visited someone in the hospital who has just woken up from a bypass surgery saying, I feel awesome. Uh, you know, no one feels awesome after bypass surgery. Uh, you only see the fruitfulness of the surgery looking back. Uh, but in the midst of it, when you're cut and wounded and hurting, you have to remember that the hurt helps. Uh, and that's the way that we need to think about pruning. The hurt helps. Uh, so I, I want to say something here. Uh, as we get ready to come back to the SDA next week, 
Uh, and um, here's something I think that we know more broadly, and that is that God has been doing surgery on the American church. Uh, God has been doing a pruning work uh, as churches have walked through this uh, perfect storm of uh, pandemic and race and nationalism. Uh, and I think that that's been true of our church family. And as we come back uh, to the SDA, and of course, people are going to come back, uh, not all at the same time, but as they feel ready. Uh, but as we come back, we are going to see that God has pruned our church family. Uh, and on, on the one hand, uh, you know, we're going to see something that's going to be sad. Uh, but on the other hand, we're going to have to make a decision about how we're going to respond to that. And I think pruning means uh, we work through the pain and the sadness because we recognize God is at work to release more fruitfulness. Uh, and and so, so we can lick our wounds and we can talk about how terrible the pandemic and, and all of these you know, polarized debates have been, or uh, really we can be asking, what is the new fruitfulness that God wants to make possible here? Uh, it, it, what is the fruitfulness that God wants to release in our lives and in our church family? And in pruning, it matters how we respond. Uh, so listen to Hebrews 12. This is the way Hebrews 12 puts it um, sort of briefly. Um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Uh, so you hear that language, right? No discipline seems pleasant, right? It's, it's pruning. Nobody likes being cut. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right? It, it's about fruit bearing, but it yields it to those who have been trained by it. Uh, so when God is cutting us back, uh, are we going to get mad at God? Are we going to grow distant from God? Or, or are we going to say, God, I don't like this, and, and you don't expect me to like this, uh, but you are preparing me for fruitfulness. Uh, and so I will say, I will acknowledge there is some fruit that you want to bring out in my life. There is some fruit that you want to bring out in our community that cannot come. We cannot be prepared for it in any other way than this. So I am going to lean into this with humility, with dependence, with prayer, with love, uh, with patience, uh, because God uses hardship to make us more fruitful. So really, uh, you know, I mean, this is just what we, we talk about this every week, right? Uh, it's really just walking in the way of the cross. It's remembering John 12, that unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. It's, it's just a recognition that some kind of death is always the prerequisite for more life. Uh, and, and life in the vine is about this. And branches that abide in the vine understand that part of life in the vine is pruning. Okay, so that's connecting, uh, pruning. Now, uh, let's 
talk about abiding. I did say I was going to go a little long today, so, uh, but this is the last point. Uh, so the third thing about life in the vine is abiding, and you can hear that word over and over again, both in John's gospel uh, as a whole and in this chapter. I think it was 11 times uh, at least in chapter 15 uh, that John uh, Jesus talks about abiding. So what is the difference between connecting and abiding? So you can connect for a minute. Uh, when you take your car to the gas station uh, and you fill up your car, you connect to the pump. Uh, and uh, then you might have to top off occasionally. You visit the gas station and you reconnect for uh, a few moments and then you go on your way. That's connecting. Uh, it's, it's about an attachment. Uh, that's not abiding. Abiding is a constant reality. So abiding requires connecting, but there's more to it than that. So abiding is not taking your car to the gas station. Uh, abiding is plugging your house into the power grid, right? It, it's not a moment, it's a state. Uh, and so abiding here in our passage is a mutual reality. So if you look again at verse four, uh, abide in me and I in you, uh, which Jesus continues to describe throughout uh, the passage, verse five, whoever abides in me and I in him, uh, or in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, we're, we're getting here a mutual reality. Abide in me, make your home in me, live in me, dwell in me, Jesus says, and I will abide in you. I will make my home in you. I will live in you. I will dwell in you. And what is the effect of this mutual abiding? Uh, it is that we produce much fruit. Uh, whoever, verse five, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Uh, this person will have a fruitful life uh, of walking with Jesus. Uh, and by the way, uh, I don't think the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about here is just ministry or just evangelism. I, I think it means uh, coming alive and doing things to the glory of God. Uh, I latch onto the vine, and I receive the nourishment I need to live for God as he has uniquely created me. Uh, so in this church, uh, we have painters and gardeners and woodworkers uh, and uh, walkers and cyclists and musicians and teachers and a couple of puzzlers and all kinds of other people. Uh, and as we abide in the vine, we become the fruitful people that God made us to be. And so I, ju I just don't want us to sort of over-spiritualize this. Oh, it's really only talking about evangelism or, or something like that. I, I think it's all the ways that we come alive and do things to the glory of God. So the question is, how do we abide in the vine? Uh, and if you read this passage carefully, you will see that Jesus has something very specific in mind uh, because there is there's a thread uh, or maybe a bread breadcrumb trail 
or or maybe sort of a, a, a string of pearls that we, we kind of need to follow here to see what Jesus is getting at. Uh, so it starts in verse four and five, verses four and five. Jesus says, abide in me, make your home in me. Uh, and then you think, well, okay, but what does that really mean to abide in Jesus? Well, if you look down at verse nine, Jesus says, abide in my love, love me and experience my love. Well, then you say, well, okay, but how do I love Jesus and how do I experience his love? Well, verse 10 answers the question. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. So love me in a relationship marked by obedience and delight, like I have with my father because I obey his commands. Well, okay, but what are the commands that we are to obey to love Jesus? Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So the new commandment that we talked about a little while ago to love one another. So I just want to make sure you get the path here. Abide in me means abide in my love, which means if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, which means this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's how you abide uh, in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus happens as we reflect his love to others in the community of faith. So to abide in Jesus isn't some inner disposition of soul that happens when we are all by ourselves, or maybe I should say that's part of abiding in Jesus. It's not what he's thinking about right here. Uh, abiding in Jesus is a corporate activity of the church. It happens when by faith we reflect Jesus' love to others in the church family, right? So the failure to love others in the church family is a failure to abide in Jesus. Uh, abiding and bearing fruit shows itself in relationship with people. Uh, and when you look at the sort of the broader structure of John 15, John 15 verses 1 to 11 are the great metaphor of the branches and the vine. And then verses 12 to 17 really unpack it with this idea that abiding and bearing fruit is about looking for ways to love other people, uh, to express love in action by serving people, caring for others. Uh, we cannot live out the vine uh, and branches metaphor by ourselves. Uh, we can only live it out if we are living and serving with other people. Uh, and so, again, um, the failure to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, in a local body and in the whole body, and I just feel like we are coming through this season where um, the love of so many Christians for other Christians is failing. It's really failing. And we should understand that from John 15, the failure to love your brothers and sisters in Christ locally and in the world, in other communities that don't look like ours, that is ultimately a failure to abide in Christ. Uh, okay, so let me close with this thought. Uh, because there are people uh, of whom I'm certainly one 
who tend to read this passage with a fair amount of self-loathing, right? We, we, I, I have a PhD in self-loathing, by the way, if you didn't know this. But um, we read about Jesus talking about uh, fruitfulness and bearing fruit, and we think to ourselves, oh, I'm just not a terribly fruitful person. Oh, my life doesn't bear much fruit, so I must not really be abiding in Jesus. Uh, so let me just highlight uh, two great verses in this section that I don't want you to miss. Uh, and one is verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Uh, already you are clean. Already you are pruned. Already you are a branch in the vine. Already you are prepared to bear fruit through the gospel. Uh, Jesus is talking about something positional that then becomes something relational and experiential. Uh, and it is when we are secure in the knowledge that we are already clean uh, and grasped and loved by God uh, that we can deepen our relational connection with him and bear fruit. Uh, and then the other one I just want to point out is toward the end of the passage in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Uh, so this is important for us to remember. It's not just our purpose to bear fruit. It's Jesus' purpose for us to bear fruit. Jesus did not choose us because we were bearing fruits. Uh, he didn't say, look at these fruitful people. They should become part of my vine. He chose us in order to bear fruit. He attached us to his own perfectly righteous self. Uh, and vine and branches are not really two separate things like a vine and a trellis. Uh, the vine and the branches are really one thing, organically connected together. Uh, and Jesus has chosen us and united us to himself. Uh, and that's always the beginning of any kind of bearing fruit. Uh, so uh, as again, as we wrap it up here, you are in the hands of the vine dresser. Uh, and he is cultivating you. Uh, and you are connected to the life-giving vine who is bursting with nutrients and who is nourishing you. And so abide in the vine, uh, abide by loving one another, and you will bear much fruit. Let's pray together.